Welcome, and thanks for joining us for the weekly podcast of Center Church San Diego. We are so happy to connect with you online today. You matter to God. You really do. Whatever your past, no matter what your circumstance right now, God loves you. And you belong right here. Hope starts now as we invite Christ to take his rightful place at the center of our lives. So let's jump in. Well, I think we can finish with that. So thanks for coming. I'm kidding. (laughs) I love SNL. That's one of my all-time favorite uh, kind of clips of what they do. Um, But I am Chris. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, I'm one of the leaders around here. And uh, you actually picked an incredible weekend to, to, to show up. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, I did draw the short straw and uh, get to talk about money. And uh, if you invited a friend or you brought a friend today, I know what you're thinking. Of all weeks, I could have brought a friend. I happened to land on the one where we're talking about money. Yes, you did. But here's the thing. Here's what our hope is today, right? Is that you walk out of here really encouraged about what you can do in the area of personal finances. And maybe you guys might fall into a category similar to me. Um, But every once in a while, I kind of just sit back and I reflect, and I I wonder to myself, what would it look like if I didn't know what everyone else had, right? What would it look like in my life if I didn't know that that friend of mine, right, who's on Facebook, who I follow, didn't just get that brand new car? What What would my personal finances look like if I didn't have to wonder what, what, what would that look like? Or I didn't have that FOMO, that fear of missing out. What would, what would my wants look like if we didn't live in the, the 21st information age, right? What would my savings look like if I didn't wonder what all of those other people have that I don't have? What would, what would I be able to maybe give if I didn't wonder and have that, that, that fear of missing out on everything else? The, the, the thing is, I don't know much about what others have. And, and the problem that I think a lot of people face is that we, we see so much of what people have uh, out there that we kind of get that fear of missing out, don't we? Now, <clears throat> we're in this series called Guardrails, and um, as, as we've been kind of going through for the last four weeks, we've been talking about areas of our life where we can establish guardrails in order to help kind of protect us from straying off course, Right? And if you don't know uh, much, much about guardrails, we kind of been using this basic definition to kind of help you kind of get an idea uh, of what this looks like. So, so we'll, we'll toss that up here. We've been using this definition of guardrails. Guardrails are a safety system designed to prevent something from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Now, if you don't have that outline, go ahead and pull that thing out on top. Guardrails are a safety system designed to prevent something from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Now, if you're new to Center Church, um, I, don't, I don't get up here and speak a whole lot. And I actually, somebody made a joke uh, a couple weeks ago uh, after I was done that I felt a little bit more like a TED Talk than I did like a preaching sermon. And, uh, and I said, well, I mean, I've got the Holy Spirit, but uh, I don't roll that deep. So uh, I'm going to go off my notes and I'm going to try and walk you guys through some stuff. But my hope today is that you walk away with an idea of how you can set up healthy guardrails in the area of your finances. Guardrails are meant to do really kind of two things. And we've been going through this for the last couple of weeks. The first thing is the purpose of guardrails is to direct and protect us. That's the, that's the kind of number one little bullet on there. Guardrails are designed to direct us and protect us. If you think about it, right, when you're driving down the road, right, and we don't even think about guardrails most of the time, do we? 
we're just focused on where we're going. We're not looking to the side. We're not generally looking to the left or the right, uh, unless you're a terrible driver. Uh, but we don't look, and we don't often even recognize the guardrails are there, do we? But guardrails are really meant to kind of direct where we're going and to protect us from hitting different barriers or hitting different issues. One of the things that we talked about a couple weeks ago is this idea that guardrails are meant to be placed in the safety zone, right? Not in the danger zone. And the reason that they, they are created that way is so that we have a little bit of margin of error in what we do, right? We know that if, if this is the line of what we're going to, to kind of possibly face in danger, we want those guardrails to be a little further in the safety zone, not right up on that line, right? The second thing that guardrails do is they're supposed to help minimize damage in our lives. They're supposed to minimize damage. If you run into a guardrail, it's better than running off a cliff, right? That's just, that's just true. And what we've been talking about in this series is the idea of a ton of different guardrails that can be established in our lives. I talk about relationships and relational guardrails that should be established. Josh has talked a lot about the emotional guardrails that should be established, right? You can have financial guardrails that should be established. And I think a lot of times when we're going through this stuff, and I, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, this idea that, like, you can really kind of put yourself into one of two categories. One where you're either being super judgmental about someone in their life, right? But really the focus of this entire series isn't to judge other people about what they got going on, right? It's to learn how to exercise good judgment in our own lives as it relates to each of these areas. It's not about the other person. It's about me and my life. It's about what I can do and what are the things that I should, should put in place to help kind of protect myself. You guys may have remembered a, a couple weeks ago, I, I talked uh, a lot about um, a guy named Solomon um, in, in the relational guardrails. And actually, at the end of today's talk, you'll see kind of at the bottom of that, the second page on the outline, I put a bunch of uh, kind of financial resources. Now, my background, believe it or not, um, was in personal finance, right? So I was an investment advisor. I, I did that for a really long time. My family's been in personal finance for a very long time. I've read and learned and done all kinds of things, but that's not what today's talk is about. It's not like the practical how to get out of debt or do any of those things. There are plenty of people around here that can actually help you do some of those things, if that's an area that you want to look at. But today, what I want to spend a lot of our time on is really, what, is, what does the Bible say about finances? What does, what does God say about how I should treat the financial resources that I have? And when we look at financial guardrails, and we look at setting up uh, healthy boundaries or guardrails in our lives, I use Solomon as an example of somebody that really kind of teaches a lot about uh, the wisdom that's associated with, with establishing healthy guardrails, right? So, so I don't know if you remember this, but when I was talking a lot about Solomon, Solomon's an interesting guy because he was really, really young when he became king, right? And he didn't have a whole lot of experience, but he was kind of thrown into this, into this world where he was expected to lead an entire country, right? And so Solomon, one night, he, he goes to the Lord, and, and God comes to him, and he says, what do, you, what do you want? Name whatever it is that you want, and I'll give it to you. And God says, <clears throat> God says, I'll give you anything that your heart desires. And Solomon, in an incredible exercise of faith, said, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. He could ask for literally anything. Now, I know some of you guys. You would have been like, hey, uh, there's a really nice Bentley that I just saw driving down the street. I'll take one of those. Uh, it's just like a magic genie. It can rub that lamp. How many wishes do I get? Right? <laughs> so, but he said, I want wisdom. Right? 
And here's, here's kind of the first thing that I, I want you to really kind of think through is wisdom is the foundation of money management. Wisdom's the foundation of money management. Now, what is wisdom? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Wisdom, right, is the idea that you will look at the past experiences you had, given my current circumstances and my current life situation, taking into account the things that I want to have happen, my hopes and dreams and everything else, right, and making decisions now based on what I've already experienced and where I want to go. That's wisdom. Wisdom is looking back at the things, maybe the mistakes that I made, right? And establishing healthy guardrails now to ensure that I don't do the exact same thing going forward, right? Wisdom is at the center of financial management. It's at the center of our finances. Here's, what, here's what's so interesting to me about Solomon and, and his entire uh, kind of process as he goes through all of this stuff. Check out 2 Chronicles 1.12. It says, so wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. That's what God responded to him. Solomon said, God, give me wisdom. And God said, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And then look what happens right at the end of it. I will also give you riches, fortunes, and honor like no other king before or after you. Now leave that up there for just a second because this is really, I think this is really significant. Okay? He didn't ask for riches and wealth. He didn't ask for all those things. Right? He asked for wisdom. So wisdom and knowledge is going to be granted to you. And then on top of that, I'm going to give you all the riches and wealth and fortune like no one's ever seen before. Now on the back of that outline you've got, there's a book uh, called um, The Richest Man Who Ever Lived. And I don't know if you like to read. I'm a big reader. I'm kind of a nerd. That's why I rock glasses still, right? <clears throat> I know LASIK exists, okay? But I, I, I like it, okay? The persona thing, right? <clears throat> there's a book on, on the back there uh, called The Richest Man Who Ever Lived. And it really, it's all about Solomon. And it's all about the practical, biblical um, components of financial management that Solomon used to run the kingdom. Right? It's kind of crazy. It's really fascinating. And Solomon gives us a great example of the things that we should do in order to set our, our lives up in a better direction when it comes to, to, to finances. Now, like I said, I, I've been in personal finance for a long time, and so I know the statistics, probably better than anybody, right? Three out of four families are living paycheck to paycheck, right? Most people, the average credit card debt in the United States today is $15,000. That's just credit cards. That's not mortgages, car payments, anything else, right? <clears throat> Some of you guys are like, I know exactly what you feel on that one. Others are like, holy cow, that's insane, right? Some of you fall somewhere in between. But the truth is, the reason that we find ourselves in a lot of those positions is because at some point, we made some sort of decision, right, that we knew we probably shouldn't have done, and we didn't establish a healthy guardrail or a boundary to help us avoid some of those things. Now, I'll be the first to admit, living, living in the 21st century is expensive. Anybody with me on that? Right? Okay. Living in San Diego is insane. Anybody with me on that? Right? Cost of living here is crazy, Right? So at one point, you have this like, how do I even just afford to live, right? Let alone not get into debt and do all of those other things. But again, today's not about that. We will do another talk kind of about those more practical things. But today is really about what is the heart posture that I should take when it comes to my finances. Because something, something really interesting happens. When you use wisdom, right, in the area of your finances, it no longer becomes about the practical, mundane, do this, do this, do this, do this. 
you see God move in ways that you cannot comprehend. The verse that was just there, right? It didn't say that because Solomon had wisdom that he knew how to budget correctly. It didn't say that because Solomon had wisdom that he knew exactly what to do with every piece of money that came into his pocketbook. It said because he exercised wisdom, God gave him riches and wealth and all of his other things. Now, this isn't some like health and wealth prosperity gospel. That's not, what, that's not the camp that we fall into at all. But I do believe that there are areas in our lives that when we shift the focus of what we're doing to a wisdom mentality in the area of our finances, we see some pretty magical things happen. Now, the, the Bible is very interesting when it comes to, to some of these topics. And, and again, if you brought a friend today, welcome to Center Church. We don't always talk about money, I promise, okay? <clears throat> but, but here's what's interesting. Even about the New Testament in general, right, is that the New Testament primarily talks about two things. And most of the time, we like to ignore them. The Bible in the New Testament specifically likes to talk about sex and money, right? And if there's two things that people don't want somebody in their business with, right, it's in their sex life, and it's in their money, right? And we know that. We know that to be true. And we, the church kind of has this persona, right, of like, the church doesn't like sex, and they just want my money, right? That's, 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 like, that's what most people kind of think about the church. Here's the thing. We don't need your money. We don't, we don't need your money. We follow a Jesus, and we follow a God who owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills. We don't need it. If it's a heart issue for you where you're like, no, I don't like that. That's why, like, whenever we, we, whenever our hosts, and Jessica, you did an amazing job up here. I, she's like, she's new on all this stuff. Uh, and it's always so fun to watch people get up here and do it for the first time. Because it is not easy. It is not easy. I know, I know that most, pe- most of you, if you were, like, had to come up on stage, you would freak out, right? People have two fears, three fears, really. Fear of falling, right? Fear of failure, and the fear of public speaking, right? Like, you did an amazing job. But, but here's, here's the thing, guys. We don't, the church doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He created it. Okay? And so what I want to talk a little bit about today is how do you avoid, how do you avoid the financial pitfalls in life? The things that you can't see. How do you establish healthy guardrails in your life in the area of finances? This isn't, again, about uh, how to avoid debt. I know people personally, right, that have a lot of money. They don't have any debt. They've got a bunch of money in their bank account. But they are still one flick of a switch from being bankrupt and being in a ditch financially. Because the things that they've set up in their life aren't guardrails and healthy ways for them to be able to manage their finances. Today is about something much, much deeper than just the practical, mundane ideas of of how to manage your money on a day-to-day basis. Though those things are important. And again, like I said, if you need help in some of those areas, there are people here, and he's actually not here, which is kind of ironic to me. Um, He must have known that we were talking about finances. And he didn't want people coming up and asking afterwards, Kyle Kurz um, is an incredible uh, resource for a lot of folks. And if you don't know Kyle, Kyle comes up here and he plays the guitar and he dances a lot. Uh, and so that's a lot of fun. Uh, he's not here today so I can talk about him, which is even more fun, right? Uh, but Kyle, Kyle really just, he, he teaches some of our financial seminars. He has got an amazing uh, amount of resources that are available to you if that's an area in your life that you really want to learn. And here's the thing. Here's what's so interesting to me. People who are good at money, right, they spend a lot of time in trial and error, right? Go ask people who have, who have money, who have the financial resources that you're like, oh, they, it's trial and error. They learn from other people. But here's what I want to focus on today, and you guys can write this one down. 
our biggest issue is actually not money. It's control. Our biggest issue is not money. It's control. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus actually talked a lot about this. um, And and we're going to read just briefly um, Matthew 6. And here's here's what Jesus said, okay? No one can serve two masters. Now, I'm going to stop there just for a second. No one can serve two masters. I know what you're thinking. I only have one master. What, what's what are you talking about? Okay. Now this word master is interesting. I think a lot of times right now, like if we if we think about the word master right now, a lot of people we have we have a boss, right? We have people who are in charge of us, people who, who kind of tell us what to do when we're working, whatever it is, right? That's not what this word is is really about. The Greek translation of the word master there is really it's more about ownership, right? It's a, it's a possession. It's relating to possession, right? And and I know you're like no one possesses me, or you might know people who are a little possessed, but like that's not what I'm talking about. People, this is all about a sense of ownership. And Jesus is saying, he's talking, he's teaching, and he's saying, you cannot serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve and please two separate things. And I think sometimes, and I know it's up here, I wish that we had like hidden this last little part, right? Sometimes we would look at this and go, okay, Jesus is clearly talking about God and Satan, right? It ain't about that. This is what's so significant about what Jesus is teaching here. Is you cannot serve both God and money. Anybody ever heard the phrase that uh, money is the root of all evil? Anybody? You know that's actually inaccurate? The love of money is the root of all evil. So here's, here's, here's what's at the core of all of this. It's not God and Satan, right? It's God and money. Because at the core of what our issues are when it relates to our money is a sense of control. We try to control things that really we have no business controlling. And that's a tr- at, the, at kind of the core of where this is at, is money really has a better control over you than you do of money. So ask yourself that question, right? Do we have money or does money have me? Does, do, do the possessions that I have, right, do I really have possessions, or do those possessions have me? If you wake up and your, your prized possession is that car, or that home, or that thing, do you have money, or does money have you? Do you own it, or does it own you? The reason that we need financial guardrails is because money, and what money promises, is the chief competitor for your heart. See, money, money isn't, money isn't a, a, a good or a bad, right? Money isn't right or wrong. It's not the light or the dark. It's not God versus Satan. Money is an inanimate object. But it's what it represents that is so significant. Money, and it's what it promises to me, is the number one competitor for my heart. Without some sort of guardrail in our life, you, you may never even declare bankruptcy, have overwhelming credit card debt. You may never have any issues with money. You may be somebody who actually teaches classes as it relates to money. But at the center of what we're talking about today is where does your heart sit when it relates to money? That's the bigger issue. Because here's what happens when we look at money in, in two different areas. If you don't have control of money and money controls you, you have one of two things that can happen. Okay, Here are two potential financial cliffs that we can run into when it comes to the area of our finances. 
One is uncontrollable consumption. Uncontrollable consumption. Money creates an appetite for more money, right? I don't know a single person, right, who has a control over their money, right, that, that hasn't learned to master the, the desire for more, right? What I mean by that is people who have mastered their desire for more aren't driven by money. They don't have this uncontrollable desire for, for consumption. That's on one end. This, this, I need more, I need more, I need more, right? I, I want that new thing, the greatest thing. I want to upgrade. I've got the newest iPhone. I don't even know what version they're on now, right? 50 or whatever it is, right? Like, this, like, this, this uncontrollable consumption desire for more in the material ways. On the other end, you have this extreme accumulation. Extreme, extreme accumulation. That's the other pun- uh, possible financial crisis and cliff that we can run into. It's unbridled desire for more and more and more to consume, 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 to upgrade, 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 or it's fear that what if I don't have? And so we hoard, we, we collect, right? Now I'm not saying don't be responsible with your money and invest and save and do all of those other things, but we often too, fall into one of those two camps where we have this uncontrollable desire for more or we have an extreme desire for accumulation because we are fear-driven. Now, here's what I know about personal finance. How you grew up, the household that you grew up in, determines a lot about how you view money. So for those of you with kids, especially young kids, this is a topic that I would really look at and evaluate. Because those little eyes, they watch you. They don't just watch you, they copy you. And they learn from you, Right? Those are the two extremes. And here's, here's what Jesus says in the same kind of breath in Matthew 6. Stop storing up treasures for yourselves on earth, where moths and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moths and rust don't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Your heart will be where your treasure is. Your heart follows where your treasure is. There is a battle. There is a fight going on for your heart. And most of us aren't even aware of it. We're asleep to this idea. And I know I'm getting in some of like everybody's business right here right now. I can can feel the tension. You can cut it with a knife, right? (laughs) I can feel it. It's funny, isn't it? You start talking about this idea for for control as it relates to money, it starts making people uncomfortable. That should tell you something. That should send off a little alert, right? Remember a couple of weeks ago I was talking about how uh, when, you're, when you're in relationships and you're trying to establish guardrails, right? When something starts getting uncomfortable and it sends out little red alerts, that should be an idea that you need to put a guardrail somewhere in your life. The fact that it causes you discomfort in the area of your finances should probably start setting off a couple of alarms as it relates to it. Here's what's at the root of both of those two potential financial cliffs. And I just want to make you aware of what they are so that you can establish guardrails to stay away from them. The root, at the same time with those things, is really a word that we don't like. It's greed. Uh, a lot of you guys are like, greed? I'm not greedy. Right? You think of greed and you think of that like ultra-rich billionaire, right? Who, like you think like Scrooge McDuck, right? He's got more money and he jumps and he goes and, you know, jumps into his little pile of gold or whatever. I never understood that even as a kid. Like, I don't think that works. Right? Like, that would, that would hurt. I don't know what kind of money he's got, but that's different. I don't know. I don't know what that's about, right? But this, this greed, greed is at the center of our heart issues here, right? 
Greed isn't this mysterious, strange, out there thing. Greed functions in the area of our control for, the, for our hearts as it relates to money. Here's, I kind of had this little, this cool little um, definition of greed, and I want to kind of share it with you because I think it's really, I think it's, it actually gives you some perspective on what it might actually mean. But here's, here's what I believe greed is. Greed is the assumption that whatever that thing is, is for my consumption. It's the assumption that money's for my consumption. That's what greed is. So when you look at those two extremes, right, when you look at massive amounts of accumulation, right, I want to accumulate for the future. It's still for my consumption in the future. When you're looking at, I want to buy something now, it's for my consumption, right? If, if the definition of greed is the assumption that it's for my consumption, then here's what that looks like. As soon as something's placed in my hands, it's for me, right? I get a paycheck, it's for me. I have a 401k, it's for me, right? I get an inheritance, it's for me. If by some random chance God blesses me and I win the lottery, it's for me, right? Which never really happens, right? If we're going to be real, right? But we all dream and we all think, right? But isn't it so fascinating? I'm about to get your business. Isn't it so fascinating that everyone has that dream, right? That, that like, wish, like, if I won the lottery, you know what I would do? What's the first thing everybody says? I'd give. I'd give, right? I'm going to buy my mama a house. I'm going to buy her this over here, right? Everyone, that's the first thing you think of. But why do we not do that in our regular lives? Why, does, why is it only contingent upon some large sum of money that comes in on a whim? I know, I told you it was going to get in your business a little bit, right? That should tell you something, right? That should tell you something. Because we look at our paycheck, right? We look at even a small inheritance we might get. We look at all those things and we go, it's for my consumption. Again, this is, this is a battle for our hearts. And here's what my hope is today. I don't, I don't hope you walked out of here like all depressed and bummed out and like, man, I was like, money's bad. I should never touch it. No, that's the opposite. That is not at all what I'm trying to, what I want you to walk out of here with. What I want you to recognize, right, is that God creates all things good, right? And if God is the source for all financial resources, what that really means at its core is that who does it actually belong to, right? There's this word in the Bible called, uh, it's, a, it's a steward. And actually, steward uh, in the Bible is the same word as servant in the Bible. It's a really fascinating thing to me. So when you talk about a master, God, and a servant, a steward, somebody who manages the financial resources, right? And there's a, there's a lot of political debate, and I'm not going to get into that stuff right now. But going on about, about, about the earth, right? Going on about climate change and all, all these other things. And there's, there's a big argument for a lot of people that we should be good stewards of the resources we have on the earth, right? The same thing applies to the financial resources that we have in our lives as well. So when we look at the financial resources that we have, right, it falls in one of those two camps. Either we can consume now or we can consume later. The issue with this kind of philosophy, right, is that when you live this way, really what you're saying is that, is that God really kind of is irrelevant. Right? And at its core, when, when you, if, if all that there is in this life, okay, is that we're going to consume, eat, drink, and be merry, right? And that's what some people have as a perspective as it relates to, to, to money, right? Spend it now. YOLO. You only live once, right? Go, go do it, right? 
That's, I mean, come on, let's be real, right? And when you look out at the world, that's really what's going on, right? It's all about consume, right? Because you only live once, right? But if, if that's true, right? And again, I'm, I'm speaking primarily to, to the Christian demographic here. Um, if, if you don't believe in Jesus or you don't follow Jesus, you're going to have a really hard time with this talk, and that's okay, okay? <clears throat> but here's what I also know at the same time. There is something to be said about living this particular kind of life that even if you don't follow in those particular footsteps, I would bet that if you do the things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about a little bit later, uh, that you will see very different things happen in your life, things that you cannot explain. But if the, if the premise of what goes on in the world is eat, drink, be merry, and forget about everything else, right, <clears throat> then, then really what we're saying is that kingdom impacts, the, the, the God in our lives and all of those other things are completely irrelevant, right? But I, I know for certain that just about everybody in this, in this room has this desire inside of them or some, this voice that says there's something more, right? Because if, if you didn't, one, you wouldn't be sitting here. You wouldn't be listening to what I'm saying, right? But at the same time, you wouldn't also be looking for something more. We have this inherent voice that speaks to us and says, there's something else. And so if on one end, greed says, just consume and do all of this now, or even consume it later, there's got to be another way. <clears throat> something interesting happens. Even when people have this, like, that, that understanding of the, of the world of the universe, that I'm just going to, you know, eat, drink, consume, be merry, and, you know, forget, forget the rest, right? Don't worry about my kids. They can figure their own life out, right? Don't worry about retirement. Uh, they can all, I'll think about it later, right? Even when that happens, right? Even if people live their lives as if they don't really care about what God has to say about their financial future, something really interesting happens when we hit a financial ditch. Have you noticed this? Something really interesting happens when we run into a financial ditch. It looks like this most of the time. You're driving down the road, and you've hit some financial ditch, whether it's a massive amount of debt or college loans or any of those things, and you're having issues or having a hard time, and you're driving to the bank, and you go, Or maybe you fall flat on your face at home, and you're crying and bawling and going, God, where are you? I've got a cross. I've got the Star of David. I've got my lucky rabbit's foot. Do you hear me? I'm around. Have you ever noticed that people, even who aren't religious, when they run into financial issues, they sure do pray a lot. Isn't that interesting? It's fascinating to me. You know why that, that is at its core? It's because we were created with this innate understanding that all things come through God. Those things were created and meant for us in that way. Our lives typically follow a, a particular path. <clears throat> and I think really the entire premise of what I want to communicate today is wisdom is attained by really reflecting and looking back, right? But most people don't go through their life and ever actually sit down to do that. They don't look at what are the decisions that I made that have gotten me where I am today. And what decisions do I need to make to go where I want to? When you do that, something interesting happens. And here's what, here's what I believe most people do when it comes to their financial lives. One, they don't, they don't make God a priority in their financial lives. And here's what my hope is for you, is that you would actually start to make a shift in, in what that looks like. Because you would be surprised at the amount of abundance that can happen when you do that. 
Here's what most people do. They ignore or they forget about being consistent and actually evaluating their financial future. Right? It's easier, let's be real, it's easier to just ignore it. Right? It's one of those things that you're like, eh, I'll get to it. Right? We ignore it and we forget about it. Or we know that it's mine. And we try and figure it out on our own. We don't get advice. We don't surround ourselves with people who have wisdom. And then the way that we live our life is we're going to live first. We're going to live on everything that we have. We, 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 we live our lives to the limit. And then, if there's a little bit left, we'll save some. Right? Again, live for me now. Save for me in the future. And then, and then maybe I'll give a little bit if I got a little bit left over. Right? And then at some point, when you come into church or you're looking at random people, right, and these little buckets go by, I know we don't do that anymore, right? <clears throat> For some reason, people are so fast. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by people. I like to people watch. Anybody else do that? Um, I, it's like one of my favorite things in the world. I'll go down to like TB or IB and like I'll just sit on a bench and I'll just watch people. People are really interesting, right? Especially when you go down to the beach areas. <laughs> They're really, really interesting, right? But people are fascinating. When you observe people, right, our, our people's tendencies and habits are so fascinating. We, we, we aren't quick to be generous. We aren't quick to give. But when we do, we want everyone to notice, right? It's interesting. So here's, here's really what I, I want you to walk away with today. It's five financial guardrails that you can establish in your life to ensure that greed isn't at the core of your life, that your own consumption isn't at the center of your financial life. Because I believe that if you were to establish these guardrails in your life, you will see a drastic change. Here's number one. Give generously. Flip it on its head. Give generously. I, I, you see this happen a lot. And I'm not specifically saying give, give to the church. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't hear me say that. There is something about money that when you give it away, you end up getting more in return. Anybody notice that? Right? Like, I, I've had that happen more times in my life than I can count. Where it literally blows me away. Right? I'll have my last five bucks and change or whatever it is, right? And it's not even like the homeless guy in the corner who needs a meal. It's not, not like, no, be strategic in what you're doing. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I've had times in my life where, where I mean, I'm, I'm married. I've been married almost 12 years now. we got five gorgeous kids. We've had times in our life where we know that a family was down and out and couldn't figure out where to get the groceries. They didn't tell us. They didn't say anything about it. My wife heard through the Holy Spirit, that family needs this. And you know what we do? We pick up and we go get it. And we take from the little that we have. And we go and we give it. And you know what's amazing? We get blessed as a result. It's, ab- I mean, I know that there are people in this room who've experienced the exact same thing, where you're like, God, if I do this, am I going to run off a cliff? Am I, am I shooting myself in the foot here? Right? But when you're obedient and you make giving and generosity the core of your life, it's a heart issue. Here's what I know. It's not yours to begin with. Everything we have is not yours to begin with. You didn't create it. Right? You worked for it, but you didn't create it. When you look at your finances as being a steward for the Lord, there's a big difference. It changes your perspective. Here's what, uh, here's what Solomon says in Proverbs. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst, your, va- your wine vats will brim over. 
Now, some of you guys don't even know what a, a wine vat is, but that's okay, <laughs> right? Here's what he's saying. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Listen to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit when he says, I need you to do this. Because when we act as the hands and the feet of the Lord, and we are generous in what we do, he continues to bless us. Did you see that? When it comes down to Solomon, right? He said, God, give me wisdom and knowledge. That's what he asked for. That's what he was looking for. And as a result, he was blessed with abundance and resources and everything else. That's at the core. So give first. Now, here's the thing. I'm about being systematic in in what we do, right? And there's a lot of different philosophies as it comes to personal finance. And you'll hear it from different people. You can listen. And some good resources, I'll tell you right away, like Dave Ramsey. If you don't know anything about Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey, write that down. I, I think that's actually a resource that I put on the back there. That, that, he's, he's, a, and he's an incredible resource. I'll tell you right away. But I, I also know that his number one priority is give first. Give first. You can be the, the smartest mind when it comes to... And actually, you know who was interesting about this? I was just reading about this uh, this, this morning, actually. Uh, Warren Buffett is 89 years old. Okay? That's an old dude. Right? I apologize if you're 89 years old. Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett's 89 years old. He's been the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway for 50 years. He's been leading that thing for 50 years. He's the oldest, or he's the longest standing CEO of of a single company in the world right now. 50 years he's been running that thing. Do you know what his philosophy is? Give it all away. Give it all away. His philosophy is give it all away. He literally committed to giving away all of his wealth. You know what he told his kids? You ain't getting anything. I'm giving it all away. Before I die, when I kick the bucket, I'm giving it all away. Isn't that fascinating? Give first. Give first. Here's the second one. Save strategically. Save strategically. And here's, here's the thing with this component, okay? I believe that you need to put a system in place to protect yourself from yourself. Did you catch that? Save strategically. Put a system in place to protect yourself from yourself. Okay? Here's the, here's the verse that goes along with that. Proverbs 21 says, Plan carefully, and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Plan carefully. Put systems in place. I, I, uh, I, I used to recommend to a handful of people, set up a different bank account that you don't have access to on your phone. And then, like, systematically send money over there so that you don't even look at it. Because here's what I know 99% of people do. When, they, when they're trying to decide whether they're going to go out to dinner or they're going to go have some fun with some friends, the first thing they do is they open up their bank account and go, hmm, yep, okay, let's do that. Right? I know it. I know that that's true. Everyone does that. Right? So, so create a system by which you don't have to rely on that anymore. Here's the third one is live confidently. And these guys there in, in the back, they're like, bro, you've got to wrap it up. <clears throat> So I'm not going to go through this entire verse. I told them when we first got started this morning, I said, one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to go through this really quick and it's going to be done early, or I'm going to go long and you're going to have to tell me to wrap it up. And so they just told me to wrap it up. So, so I knew where I fall on that one, okay? It's funny. It's amazing to me. Every week I prepare a message and I'm like, man, I don't think I have enough in there. And then I get going. I'm like, yeah, no, there was more than enough. Okay. Live confidently. Here's at the core of what this is, okay? God isn't about a lack. He, he, he doesn't have this plan for your life that says, I'm only going to give you X amount. I'm only going to give you a little bit. Right? 
God cares for the birds. He cares for all the animals. He does all these other things. Live confidently in the fact that if God is taking care of all of these other things, he's also going to take care of you. If you put him first in the area of your finances, he will take care of you. I'm not going to go through Matthew 25 because that's a long, it's a long story, but here's what I want you to know. God has actually given you a gift and an ability to manage the financial resources that you have. Be faithful in the little that you have, and he will bless you with more. That is a biblical promise. Be faithful in the little that you have, and he will bless you with more. Demonstrate faithfulness in the area of your finances. Number four, define roles. Now, and this is, this is primarily uh, directed at, at married couples or people who manage their finances together. I, I meet with people a lot uh, who want help in the area of their finances. And I'll tell you right away, um, defining the role of who does what is really, really important, right? Because did you know that the number one cause for divorce in the U.S. is money? It absolutely is. Define roles. And here's, here's what I do in my family. Um, I'm, I'm like a type C, right? So like I can like, I budget, I got spreadsheets after spreadsheets. My sisters laugh at me. I got more spreadsheets than you would even know what to do with, right? I'm all about spreadsheets, okay? <clears throat> I'm very, I'm very that way. My wife doesn't care about any of that, right? But my wife is really, really good at caring for other people. So you know who is responsible for the generosity campaign in our, in our marriage, in our family? She is, Right? And you know how many times my wife comes to me and goes, hey, babe, so-and-so needs this. And I pull up my spreadsheet. Right? I pull up my spreadsheet. And I go, yeah, okay, go ahead. But if, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for that defining role and an understanding of who's responsible for what, I probably, I wouldn't be very good about giving. I know that about myself. And so we define out those roles. And, she, and she, I've made a promise to my wife. I said, everything that I make, my goal in my life is I'll make the money, you give it all away. Right? And we work great together. It works perfectly that way, right? But define roles in, in your marriage. Define roles and have consistent conversations. Here's number five. Adjust regularly. One of the things that I think a lot of people lose focus of is they don't ever go back to it. We forget, right? This isn't like a set it and forget it kind of a thing. Managing your money, right? Managing the financial resources that God's given you is something you have to adjust regularly. My wife and I, every so often, we'll get back to, we'll, we'll go on coffee dates, right? Because I also have it in my spreadsheet uh, for Starbucks, right? <clears throat> so we'll go on coffee dates and we'll sit down. And I know it sounds amazing, right? This is like the coolest, most fun, most amazing date, but I'll bring my spreadsheets. <laughs> and she, 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 you ask her when, when we're done today. And he said, you guys really do that? We absolutely do that. We sit down every couple months and we look at where are we at? How much have we given? What is God calling us to next? And we adjust regularly. Life changes. And it's so interesting to me that couples don't have more conversations about their finances. It just, it really does fascinate me. Because if you're in it together, be in it together. And adjust regularly. Adjust your financial resources regularly. I've got a whole list of resources for you that are on there. And I'm not going to go through every single one of them. But these are books that I've read uh, over, over the last 15 years. Um, and I actually, I own every single one of them, probably multiple copies. So if it's not in your budget to go buy a book, right, grab me afterwards and I'll give you one of them, okay? Because these, these, every single one of these books has had some sort of impact on my perspective about financial stewardship. And you'll see there's a book uh, by Rob, Rabbi Daniel Lapham. 
called Dasa Prophet. One of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. Okay? He's a rabbi. You can learn from everybody. Okay? And I love, I love what he teaches. Okay? I absolutely love what he teaches. But those are some of the financial resources that I think you, you should evaluate and look at and leverage in your life. <clears throat> but here's my hope for you today. Kind of in closing. My hope for you today is that you would do a heart check. Do a heart check. Evaluate what, what really do I need, what guardrail do I need to establish in my life? Are my priorities in the right order? Do I consistently look and evaluate each of these areas of my life? And establish those guardrails and go from there. <clears throat> if you'll pull out that connection card, we're, we're going to wrap up right now. I, w- I want to know. So here's the thing. I get a copy of, like, the connection cards. I don't actually get every single one of them, but I get an email um, every week, and, and we get responses on the connection cards. Prayer requests, responses, and all of those things. What area of your life, how do you need to establish a guardrail in the area of your finances? What does that look like? Put it on down there, and let's pray. God, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning, and thank you, Lord, for being a God of abundance, for not having lack, for wanting the best for us, God. And Lord, we, we, we hope, we pray that you would continue to pour out your blessings on our families, God, and we ask that as we continue to put you first in our finances, that you would reveal to us ways for us to learn more about how to be good stewards of the financial resources you've given us. We praise your name. Thank you for bringing us here this morning. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. The question now is, what are you going to do with what you just discovered? Take a step to connect with us in person? Or perhaps choose to support the ministry of Center Church with your financial generosity? Take your next right step and visit us online at centerchurchsd.com. See you next time.